0: I'm loving this. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Welcome to Morgan US Sport Podcast. This is Ryan's little brother, Sean Morgan, once again guest hosting this week. And once again, we have my good friend, Aaron Morrow, on. Uh, back in, when was it, Aaron? December? Boy, it feels November. like
2: forever, forever ago, but it was probably late November.
1: We did the first one of these. And if everyone remembers, we covered a little bit of high school wrestling and we did a lot more college wrestling, uh, and we're going to do that again tonight. So we're just going to kick it right off and head towards our topics, so and we're going to start with high school wrestling. Uh, Aaron, uh, I again, I am definitely a very casual fan when it comes to high school wrestling, uh, and we've talked about a few things you want to bring up, and I'll chime in, but uh, let's talk about the big transfer that happened from uh, Durant to Southeast Pope and uh how that affects yeah. things so the first thing we taught, we were on our list is the the duel between southeast polk and ankeny i think that was his first meet as a as a ram for southeast Polk.
2: that's right maximus riggins uh his family moved out of the Bondurant for our school district they bought a house uh in the southeast polk school district And he is the number two ranked wrestler in the state of Iowa at 3A at 126 pounds. And last Thursday, he made his Ram debut against Ankeny. Uh, Southeast Polk went out in that duel. They started at 170 pounds and Polk won the first 10 out of 14 matches. Um, They pretty much dismantled number four Ankeny in what was their final regular season duel of the year. Um, Picking up Max really kind of catapulted them and cemented them into the team with the target on their back, heading into state team duels and uh, even probably the traditional state tournament. So um, this is a big week in high school wrestling for both the boys and the girls. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night is regional team duels. So 1A, 2A, and 3A, there will be eight uh, home duels across the state. There's actually three teams at each duel. The two lower seeds are gonna wrestle each other. The winner of that will wrestle the host. And coming out of that, we will have eight teams in each of the classes. They will have a phone call um, on Wednesday or Thursday where they will set the seeds. And then on Saturday in Coralville, they will be wrestling the state team dual tournament. It starts at 9 a.m. and in the finals end at something like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night on Saturday. So it's a full day of wrestling coming up this Saturday where they're going to crown the state dual champion in all three classes. This is the first year uh, that that has moved back away from the traditional state tournament. And this time they're doing it before traditional state.
1: So Uh, if I remember correctly, the the state team duels, which used to be earlier in the week, right, of the traditional state?
2: Yes, they used to host that on Wednesday, and then they would kick off traditional state tournament on Thursday. And with the rule changes this year, they expanded from 16 qualifiers to 24 qualifiers. So they expanded the traditional state tournament by one day, starting on Wednesday. And since they did that, they moved the state team duels. To this weekend which used to be the sectional tournament weekend for 1a and 2a and they got rid of sectionals they went to a district qualification and part of that compromise was increasing the number of qualifiers from 16 to 24.
1: i i like all these moves i like uh the separation of the the dual championship and the traditional state and i like uh expanding that traditional state tournament again it's all about growing the sport uh expanding the viewership expanding participation in the state of Iowa is doing all the right things uh adjusting tournament styles tournament schedules and obviously um, uh with girls wrestling coming into to full full participation this year
2: yeah What's and next? uh well this is a big week for the girls as well so regionals were just held this past weekend And coming up on Thursday and Friday in Coralville uh, is the girls' state tournament. And this is the first sanctioned girls' state tournament in the state of Iowa. They had regionals this year, and uh, they qualified 32 girls at each of the 14 weights. And those girls are going to take the mat starting on Thursday morning. And by the end of the day, Friday, we're going to have 14 sanctioned high school girl champions. Uh, I actually have my tickets purchased. I'm taking uh, my wife and my two daughters over, and we're going to watch finals on Friday night. That way uh, my girls can see uh, some of the best girls in the state putting it on the line and going for those state titles.
1: Impressive. Uh, Just thinking in the short amount of time that uh, they've had to develop this and work with this, yeah, It's amazing. It's a good time to be a wrestler in the state of Iowa. It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a boy, a casual fan or a dedicated hard, hardcore fan and have been for years. It's nothing but positive.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. How about some of the other
1: teams besides Southeast Polk and Ankeny that have been wrestling re- recently and how, how they look?
2: Yeah, so um, I've been kind of watching IA wrestles tournament rankings throughout the season Uh, at the beginning of the year Southeast Polk was ranked third they're now first and they've gone from seven ranked wrestlers in their lineup to 10 including the transfer Max Riggins Waverly who started the year as the number one ranked team has fallen to number two and they've dropped from 11 ranked wrestlers down to nine Uh, at one point they were even down to eight Uh, they had a wrestler at 160 pounds Danny Diaz who transferred in from Florida, had some misconduct controversy early in the season. Uh, There was definitely some questions as to whether he was even going to see the lineup this year. Um, But uh, he's been back in the lineup for the last few weeks, and he's climbed his way, I think, up to second uh, at that weight. And so that gave Waverly one more bullet in the chamber to try to climb back into that number one spot. I think it's going to be a dogfight between Polk and Waverly at the state team duels and at the traditional state. But Fort Dodge and Bettendorf are nipping at their heels. Bettendorf started the season ranked 10th, and they've climbed as high as second. Right now, they're sitting at fourth. They've got seven ranked wrestlers in their lineup, and I think all of them are freshmen or sophomores. Um, There might be one upperclassman of those ranked guys. So even though they may not be in first and second, uh, as far as rankings go this year, they're going to be a force to reckon with for quite a while with such young talent uh, in their lineup. And Fort Dodge started the year ranked ninth and has climbed all the way up to third. And they actually have gone from four ranked wrestlers to seven as their young guys have broken into the lineup. Um, and so I think you've got a four or five team race if you include Ankeny in the traditional state tournament that's going to be coming up uh, in a couple weeks in Des Moines and those teams are going to battle it's really going to matter how people perform on the backside of the brackets, the bonus points that are scored on the front and back side could be the difference between a team trophy and uh, being left on the outside there.
1: Uh, that's a lot of movement. You don't, you don't see that in the college landscape uh, unless there's injury or, or something like that. The, the fact that Fort Dodge from ninth to third, Bettendorf 10th Bettendorf to fourth. Uh, are they putting, you said the new guys are coming in, the young guys. So were these freshmen sophomores not wrestling at the beginning of the year or were they just not ranked because they're so young? What uh, catapulted both of these teams so much in the rankings?
2: So it was mostly that the the young guys aren't ranked by IA wrestle until they take the mat and they know where they're going to slot in and, and how they're, they're going to fit into the team and the landscape. They try not to project who's going to fill what weight and who's going to be ranked at that weight if they haven't wrestled at the high school level. Um, and so as those freshmen started taking the mats and the teams started um, settling into the weights that they were going to be at, those rankings have really formed and come together it's why same reason why Polk has gone from seven to ten ranked wrestlers uh we've seen a number of young guys in their lineup too make a name for themselves and break into those rankings
1: all right anything else about high school wrestling that you think we should cover
2: I think those are the high points and I'm really excited for these next few weeks. It's going to, it's going to feel like a sprint when it's all over, but there's going to be so much good wrestling between now and then. Yeah.
1: And it, if you follow high school and college wrestling, really what four out of the next six weekends, you're going to have some type of championship wrestling going on. Yes. for the next seven weekends, something like that.
2: Hold your breath and, uh, get ready for a lot of twists and turns because it never goes how we predict. Absolutely.
1: All right, let's jump right into the college landscape. Uh, first thing on the docket is the Hodge Trophy. You and I are both uh, in complete agreement after watching the last, what, three weeks of wrestling or that it is Spencer's trophy to lose. He had been uh, nothing short of dominant. Uh, This week, Tom Brands was quoted as saying he's the best wrestler he's ever witnessed, and that's saying something considering the number of Gable teams, Olympic champions, NCAA champions, Big Ten champions that Tom Brands has witnessed uh, from the late 80s, early 90s, all up until now, 2023. Um, Is there anyone in the college landscape that can somehow – steal this trophy away from him or possibly pull some shenanigans like a co-hodge, such as last year.
2: Boy, I, you know, if Yanni was undefeated, I think we could look at another co-hodge, but um, Yanni dropped a match earlier this year to Austin Gomez. And I think that blemish is enough that this is Spencer's hodge for him to lose. Uh, I don't think there's anything anyone can do to pass him uh i think it's only if spencer drops a match uh doesn't win a fourth title is about the only way he does not win this hodge trophy if he were to drop a match i think roman bravo young at penn state is the front runner behind spencer to get that hodge he's at 100 percent bonus rate he's undefeated He's a two-time national champion. And if there's a chink in the armor, Penn State goes on, wins a title, maybe pushes to break Iowa's scoring record, and RBY is part of that. I could absolutely see the Hodge voters leaning his way and moving him in front of Spencer.
1: Yeah, I think what separates Spencer and RBY, I agree with you what you're saying, but right now what separates Spencer and RBY is the fact that Spencer Lee is pinning people like the number three wrestler in the nation, the number eight wrestler in the nation, he's been the number three wrestler in the nation in the first period, the number eight wrestler in the nation in the second period. Uh, He is truly on an island by himself as far as his level of skill and natural talent that he has. And so hopefully everything falls that way for Spencer Lee um, with the Injuries over the course of his entire career, starting in high school, Uh, the fact that he lost his senior year uh, as a high schooler because of an injury, and then the two years he's missed out on because of his injuries and surgeries in college, you just really hope that – I just feel like some goodwill needs to be going his way.
2: He has definitely earned some breaks uh, coming his way. So let's hope they stay that way and he can – dominate all the way through the national tournament and I think I read somewhere that if he wrestles every scheduled duel wins the big tens and wins the NCAAs uh he would be in line to win his hundredth match when he wins his title
1: I I think was that maybe Cody Goodwin on Twitter who put that that up because I think I read the same thing and there's lots of them out there that could have put it up there but uh yeah I think it was Cody in his
2: mailbag that he pointed
1: okay. that out. Uh, that would be something extremely special, and just the cherry on top of it all. Uh, you mentioned something about Penn State possibly breaking Iowa's team record. Uh, did that happen in 1997 up in Cedar Falls?
2: That's correct. 1997
1: up in. Up 170 some odd points or something like that.
2: Yeah. Was it, and, was uh, it that high? It it was, and I. I'm worried that if things break Penn State's way, and it seems like more often than not, things break Penn State's way, that uh, they could easily have five in the finals and five champions. And that alone is going to put them at 130, 135 points. Um, If any of their other five wrestlers qualify and make any noise in the brackets, they could really be pushing that Iowa record.
1: So you think can think but five in the finals. So RBY in the finals, national champion. Uh Aaron Brooks at 84, Max Dean at 97, Kirk Fleet at heavyweight. Who's the fifth one you have in the finals?
2: Carter Skiraci at 174.
1: Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. How do I how do I miss him at 174?
2: The returning so, national champion.
1: Yep. Uh so, yeah, that would – you being an Iowa fan through and through uh, leaves a bad taste in my mouth to discuss that, but leaves even a worse taste in my mouth is to that that is not far-fetched. Uh, I don't think things need to even break that hard their way for them to put five in the finals. Uh, after watching uh, Kirk Fleet wrestle – Iowa this past weekend, and then obviously he wrestled Mixon Paris from Michigan the weekend before, which he lost, but again, they wrestled so close that's a coin flip, and uh, so we'll see. Uh,
2: I mean, just based uh, on rankings, those five guys are all ranked number one or number two at their weight, uh, so they would be favored to go in as top one or two seeds, which means they would be favored to be wrestling on Saturday night of the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah. Dale Sanderson, some type of wizarding magic out there. So we'll transition away from from that into our top four teams. Uh, Penn State, Iowa, number one, number two. That hasn't changed from our first podcast. And watching all the duels for the past six weeks, uh, it is clear that those two are number one, number two, with Penn State being clear, a clear number one Uh Team trophy number three and number four still up for grab. Uh, The four that we have listed are Cornell, Missouri, Iowa State, Nebraska. Uh, I think I picked Missouri uh, back in late November, and you picked who? Cornell? Cornell. Yeah.
2: And so here we sit with our dark horses kind of being the front runners for those trophy spots. Um, Either we're really smart or really lucky.
1: Uh, probably a little column A, a little column B, a uh, little bit of knowledge there, and things have been falling into place for both those teams. But with that, Iowa State is clawed their way all the way up to number four uh, in the nation with some outstanding wrestling from a couple of freshmen, and we will touch on that later. Do you you have no intent on changing from Cornell?
2: No, I think I think Cornell. Of those four teams is is my uh, lock to finish in there. As I mentioned in our last podcast, it seems like Cornell always peaks at the right time because of the conference they wrestle in. Their wrestlers have a slightly easier schedule, um, which can help them in the seating, but it also helps them stay healthy. Uh, and they just seem to always overperform at the NCAA tournament. And as wide open as this is, And with a superstar like Yanni in their lineup, um, they're already halfway to that team trophy just with Yanni's performance.
1: I agree. I agree. So kind of status quo there for team trophies. Man, it would be really nice to see Iowa State sneak in there uh, with the the fourth trophy. Um, I watched them wrestle this past Sunday. Didn't leave me as confident, but we're gonna we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Let's let's talk about this Iowa Penn State duel that happened this past Friday night. Um, We'll just kick it off at 125. Spencer Lee walked away with a technical fall. Uh, You know, this is the the way the life that Spencer's led, right? Technical fall, and both of us after that match were I don't want to use the word disappointed, but Iowa needed a fall from Spencer Lee to be in contention to win this uh, dual meet. And the fact that it was a technical fall, just, I don't know. I don't know. It just it wasn't the way we wanted to see it kicked off.
2: Um, Between seeing but, when they, when they did the lineup announcements that Abe wasn't in the lineup and then seeing Spencer come away with a tech fall at that point in my mind, I thought it was going to be darn near impossible for us to pull out that dual meet. There mm-hmm. just was too many variables going against us at that point. And Cale knew that. That's why Kale didn't put out their normal 125 pounder. He sent the guy out there that he knew he could get away with uh, battling long enough to end up with that tech fall. And Spencer knew it uh, not too far into the match. And you yeah. could see him switch gears uh, and... Decide he was just going to roll up a quick tech fall and get off the mat.
1: Yep, absolutely. I completely agree with you. He, uh, you know, he got almost taken down right off the whistle. uh, Then took him down, took the other the Penn State guy down, tilted him, came back on top, tilted him again, and as he was tilting him that second time, uh, you could see his mind change. Um, He was trying to adjust. He was trying to. Work this, work that. Uh, And then when he rolled him back over and released him to score the four back points, uh, you could almost see it like, oh, he's just going to tilt him again, and this is going to be a tech fall, and we'll we'll go from there. Which, I mean, still, uh, the fact that he tech-falled him in what, I don't know, maybe two minutes, 10 seconds, of first period is amazing. But yeah, yeah,
2: that, that... He got called for two potentially dangerous uh, holds on his arm bar while he was trying to work for the fall. Um, and it, it makes me wonder if Cale hadn't been in the ref's ear even before the match started to watch that arm bar and watch how Spencer's running it, uh, to kind of set that up, plant the seed so that the ref's watching for it. Um, because it's been widely discussed that when Spencer runs that arm bar for his pins, that he's on the border between uh, potentially dangerous and legal.
1: Right. Right. And when you're in enemy territory, tends to fall their way. We're not going to yep. get into any type of refereeing uh, shenanigans, though, after the, the AFT Championship football game last night. We're going to stay away from that.
2: But I have I- no I- idea as a Chiefs fan what you're talking about at all.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, talking about the NFL, though, Micah Parsons was in attendance, sitting mat side for the Penn State-Iowa Duel. Micah Parsons, the uh, defensive back for the Cowboys, uh, arguably maybe the best defensive back in uh, the NFL right now. And Spencer and, and Micah exchanged a little bit of Twitter, uh, some a little Twitter beef going on there. Micah Parsons put out that he was looking for a ticket to, to watch wrestling, and Spencer chimed up and said, I, I got you if you don't mind sitting in the Iowa section and then Michael Parsons came back and said, uh, something along the lines, like not on, not when we're at war or, or not on war day or something like that. Uh, uh, of course, David Taylor also chimed in on that. And that's probably where he got his ticket from or one of a hundred different places. And obviously Michael Parsons played at, uh, played at Penn state. That's where he played his college ball for two years.
2: Um, yeah. So between the wrestling been, and football program, they had him covered for sure. Right.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but it just goes to show you that uh, these elite athletes are all tied together because as we learn more about this, Micah Parsons and, and Spencer Lee uh, wrestled together as, uh, I don't know, peewee wrestlers, youth wrestlers, something. And uh, apparently, Micah was quite the little wrestler and then turned into, I guess Micah grew and Spencer Lee didn't. So he took the football <laughs> path and Spencer Lee took the took the wrestling path. You, it seems you to have worked connection. out
2: pretty well for both of them.
1: Right, right. Very much so. Um, you see a lot of ties there uh, between wrestling and then turning into elite football players. Everybody in the state of Iowa has heard Kirk Perrin talk about his offensive linemen, the ones he goes and recruits. Most of them have a wrestling background um, just with footwork, quickness, um, and then those intangibles, the mental toughness, the tenacity
2: leverage all of those
1: things yep and body awareness it just teaches you body awareness which is are all gonna put you on the right path as an offensive lineman but it was fun to see the connection between uh Micah and Spencer and then the the back and forth between uh, obviously David Taylor and and Spencer are also I don't know if we'd say they're friends it's hard to say but uh it seemed pretty friendly Right, both being from the Pennsylvania area, both being on multiple national uh, teams for the United States. Uh, They've crossed paths, and it's probably been a positive interaction. So, All right, let's move on to 133. This is where it went up in flames for the Hawkeyes. Um, RBY pinned Brody Teske. Talk about friends. Uh, Teske obviously was on Penn State's roster for two years. And um, I don't know where I heard this. Someone said this, but Brody Teske and RBY trained together down in Arizona because they both have mixed martial arts aspirations. Uh, so they're friends. And uh, both of us really thought that, our, that Teske could hold it to a decision here. And Teske ended up getting stuck, what, with 15 seconds left in the match?
2: 15 seconds left. He had He understood the assignment, and he was working it to perfection. Uh, RBY was going to have to get two more takedowns in the last 26 seconds. Uh, and Teske even had the right idea. He was going to shoot in, make sure that he didn't get called for stalling. If he could get a hold of a leg and hold on, he might run the clock down another five, 10 seconds, leaving it nearly impossible for RBY to even get a major. Uh, and that was going to take back kind of one of those points that Spencer didn't get by only getting a tech fall but he somehow put his knee near his head and RBY being the superstar that he is. And as quick as he is, man, he had that cradle locked up uh, and had pesky on his back settled in and got that pin. And if we thought the deck was stacked against us after the Spencer match, Holy cow, the deck was exploded after this.
1: Yeah. I actually missed, RBY locking up the cradle because I was texting you that nice performance, nice performance by Brody Teske. And I looked up and he was on his back. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. So what does this do? Brody Teske hasn't wrestled a whole bunch this year, but he appears to have won that spot. Um, But what does this do to his headspace? Brody Teske is on his third program. In his NCAA career, there's always been scuttle out there about, there's no doubt about his physical talent, but his, where he's at mentally, maybe even go so far as to say his mental health, like that kind of stands is not allowing him to reach his full potential. When you go out and get pinned by a friend, number one guy in the nation, do you think that's going to have a negative effect moving forward?
2: I mean, you hope not, and you hope that the coaches have, you know, talked through that. Um, You know, there's how many guys that have walked out there and been obliterated by Brody's teammate, Spencer, and uh, you hope that that doesn't, uh, you know, curtail their season and send them into a downward spiral. Uh, And so the opposite mindset's got to be put together with Brody. Um, You know, you're wrestling a two-time national champ, you did your job up until uh, the final. And I think even the strategy of shooting in there wasn't the worst strategy. I think it's process over results. And that's what the coaching staff needs to be discussing with him uh, to keep him from going into that negative headspace.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is at the end of the of the meet, it didn't matter. Um, the other matches that Iowa needed to win didn't happen. Like you mentioned, Ava Saad didn't even wrestle. Um, so in the end, uh, his loss did not affect the outcome of the dual meet. So hopefully that helps, and hopefully the coaches are in his ear. Uh, being a, obviously older now, right, he's got to be, what, 23, 24, something like that, versus an 18- or 19-year-old. Um, hopefully everything's fine and he can bounce back real easily and uh, All-Americans for the Hawkeyes come March. Moving on to 141,
2: Real Woods. The last few matches, he has come out of the gate uh, just on fire. That first whistle, he's going hard. Uh, He seems like he wants to get a takedown, get the lead, and play from in front. Uh, And when he's wrestling from in front, man, with his defense and his ability to ride on top, he is darn near impossible to beat when he's already got a 2 nothing or a 3 nothing or a 3-1 lead on you.
1: Yeah. Uh, he obviously has been fighting some type of injury most of the year. That appears to be in his rearview mirror, and he's fun to watch. He wrestles hard. He wrestles fast. Um, I wish, if I'm going to critique him, I wish he did that for the full seven minutes. I feel like he does that until he has a comfortable lead and then he kinda shifts down and doesn't keep going. But that hasn't prevented him from getting how many tech balls, couple pins. Uh he's wrestling phenomenal. Uh but it has to do with his opponents as well and their quality. I fear. My only hiccup is when we get to Big Ten or NCAAs that uh he's gonna have to go hard for seven minutes and but he did that here. And so that was impressive. I think
2: even I think his last two matches, he's had to go the full distance, wrestle hard the whole way, and he didn't gas in either of those. It makes me no. wonder if those matches that we saw him kind of gas in were more him being off the mat because of those uh, nicks and injuries and that he just needed to knock the rust off a little bit. And now going forward, he can uh, go seven minutes without too many questions.
1: Yeah. So one of uh, watching him ride, he has he has a brutal top game, uh, which is fun to watch. But one thing he did do uh, over uh, this this weekend was he hooked that ankle with his with his lower leg, uh, and he was riding on that ankle. And we saw we have seen Penn State use that, and we saw Penn State use it in three or four matches against Iowa. And a, a bit of a Twitter bait came up about that, and is that. Should that be considered stalling? Should that be a five count? Just like if you're riding below the waist and you're, you've you got a leg with your arms, they start that five count, right? Yep. Now there's discussion out there. If you hook that ankle, should it be a five count? Because if you hook the ankle, you're most you're not working for a turn. You're just riding. Um, so what's, what's your take on that?
2: So as the rule book sits right now, uh, it's not stalling. Because the top man has no uh, mandate to try to break down or turn um, the way the rules are currently written. Um, But I, uh, I think that for the good of the sport, we need to do something to push people off of riding for the sake of riding. And I've seen a lot of different tweets, different rule tweaks. I know David Taylor put out that it should be a turn point, not a riding point, and that you don't get that uh, riding time point unless you turned your opponent for swipes. Um, I have seen th- the suggestion of making an account. Um, the only thing that I hate about the count, even the current one, is that it is gamed so hard in some matches where you see a guy drop down, until the ref starts counting and then he still holds on until the ref gets the four and then he moves up and then he drops right back down. Uh, and you can get three or four, four counts uh, without ever collecting a stall call. And I would argue that that's more stalling than holding on for five seconds. Uh, and are I we going to see the same thing with we sitting do, on the okay. ankle?
1: Giving another putting another five count in another position is not the answer for my opinion, because you're right. It's just going to be game. I, I like the fact that I like the suggestion that David Taylor made, right? To get your writing point, you got to be over a minute and you got to put them on their back for at least one. Right. Yep. Uh, I, I also like the fact that once you reach a minute of writing time, they stand you up. They, they put, they stand you up. So you're riding them, you get a minute of ride time. You stand up. Okay. Now you can take them back down, write them again for another minute. Um, but once you hit that minute, stand them up. Uh, now we start leaning towards that uh, freestyle uh, type of rule book where they stand them up after so long. But I agree, something has to change. It's fun for us to watch. We're dedicated fans. We love it. Uh, we also love folk style, so we love the writing. But uh, again, we're growing the sport here, right? We got to bring in casual fans and I'm not sure sitting on that ankle is the way to do that. All right. We need to take a short break here. Then we're going to come back and we'll start off at 149 with uh Max Muren.
0: Thank you to our new sponsor, BETSTAMP. Download the BETSTAMP app and use a referral code MorganU4. When inside the app. Use it to find the best odds for each game using all the sports books you have already set up on the Internet. The app also allows you to enter your bets and track your results. If you would like to follow me, I will be entering my pick of the week and other bets on the app, so follow CAP3462 to track my bets. Thank you, BetStamp, again, and download their app today.
1: All right, we're back to continue our breakdown of the Iowa Penn State dual meet, and we're also going to discuss Iowa State and their their weekend wrestling. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, we left off at 149. Uh Mad, Mad Max. Mad Max, give me your, give me your thoughts on this one.
2: This is the Max I was hoping we were going to see all year. He went out there. He wasn't afraid to get to his offense early. He wasn't afraid to get to his offense often. It didn't succeed a bunch. But each one of those efforts, each one of those shots that he got in on and didn't quite finish is what set him up to go out there in the third and get the takedown before it even went to overtime. And I think that's the problem we've seen from Max a few times in the past where he's been so focused on wearing the other guy down and pushing it uh, to the end of the match and then trying to get to overtime where the one takedown ends it. Uh, instead of doing that he put pressure on him by taking shots and it worked out and if this is the max that shows up in march he's going to be an all-american
1: i agree uh like you mentioned uh when max lost to uh, pinero from iowa state uh it looked like the entire time he was just trying to to wear him out and then go and get that takedown at the very end or in overtime and essentially left it up to a coin flip and he's lost. Uh, He lost that day. Um, This was the opposite, right? He was not trying to wear Shane Van Ness out. He was working his offense, uh, working on providing angles to to get on his takedown. And I think he learned, learned throughout the match, what's going to work, what didn't work. And then he was able to pull the trigger in the third and, and get the win, which was one of the coin toss matches that Iowa needed to take. Um, for them to have a chance so it was great to see max murin get the win both you and i have talked about our team goals for iowa wrestling and one of them is for max murin to get to finally break through and be an all-american and if he wrestles like he did on friday night uh, he will achieve that goal and make both you and i
2: very happy absolutely absolutely that was one of the highlights of the duel for me was Max uh, Max wrestling like that? Yep.
1: So with Max Murin winning at 149, 157 became important for Penn State. Um, and they ran out their true freshman, Levi Haynes, uh, who wrestled Kobe Seabrook. Um What are your thoughts on this one?
2: Well, I, I didn't know going into this match if we were going to see Levi or Terrell Bearclaw And um, I think, like you said, they knew they needed this match. Um, And so by putting Levi out there, they burned his red shirt. So the true freshman is definitely going to be their man at 157 in the postseason. And I think Kobe stayed with him. Um, I think Kobe proved that he isn't a fluke. Um, I think some of the adjustments he's made in the offseason mentally – Uh, And his ability to not be afraid to roll around and be a little funky uh, is legit. And I think um, if he's healthy, come March, with the right draw, he could end up in the AA. And even if he doesn't, All-American, if he gets the right draw on the backside and he catches some people with that funk, he might score some decent team points for Iowa uh, just by catching somebody and getting a pin or two.
1: I would agree. Um, obviously, it's been fun to watch Kobe wrestle this year. He has a style that we don't see too often in Iowa wrestling room with that funk. And, uh, you know, typically it's hard charging, forward, 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 heavy hands, sweet singles, take him down, try to turn him, go from there, right? That's yep. not Kobe Siebrecht. Um, he lets people in on his legs. And then ends up with the two for a takedown. Um, and that, and that's been fun to watch and rewarding to watch Kobe Wreck improve this year and prove that, uh, it hasn't just been a fluke and that his funk is not a coin toss. It's a strength of his. And if I was putting down money today, Kobe's going to walk away with an All American, uh, finish come March. All right. Up to 165 your one of your favorite wrestlers to watch, Patrick Kennedy, uh was wrestling another another freshman out of Penn State, right? Fakundo's a freshman, right? Yep. And
2: right. uh man, he uh he just beat Kamamine and uh so he had jumped way up in the rankings. I think he jumped all the way up to six heading into this match. And uh Patrick actually hadn't wrestled anybody but David Carr and Dean Hamidi in the in the top six or seven. Uh, and he lost to both of them, but he was right there with Dean in the Wisconsin duel. Um, and I think that's a coin flip match. I actually think even with uh, PK's having felt him now, I think I would lean towards picking PK the next time they they meet. Uh, and so with this win over Facundo, who uh, beat Amin, who beat Hamity, who beat Patrick Kennedy, I am really curious to see how Intermat and Flow rank 165 when rankings come out tomorrow. Uh, it's a real ranker's delight there between those four guys. And uh, who do you put to the top?
1: Right, Hamidi uh, is no one. Uh, we talked about Kobe being funky. Kamity is a funky wrestler, and when you get your hands on someone like that, you tend to learn. Um, where you need to be. And we spoke about leverage earlier and how not to play into their hand with that funk. And you know, I'm not going to push against you too hard that if Patrick Kennedy and Amity meet in the big tens or at nationals, uh, that Patrick Kennedy can't come out on top. It, it was just really encouraging to see him finish the match strong. Um, you know, he forced Fukundo to take neutral and uh, the tiebreakers and was able to use his defense to to get the win. Um, so fun, fun match to watch. Another coin flip that fell Iowa's way, um, or one of those matches where you know half the people had Patrick Kennedy winning, half the people had Fakundo winning, and uh, so it was fun. It was fun to watch that. All right, moving up to 174, Nelson Brands uh, wrestling the returning national champion starter Carter Saraki, and this is one where when you're laying out how Penn state was going to win that they were saying Carter had to have a major decision against brands and that didn't happen.
2: And I'm not so, surprised. This is one when we were talking about it going into, I I did not predict a major here because brands has an innate ability to keep things close. We saw that when he wrestled Mikey Labriola against Nebraska and Starocky, really doesn't push for offense. Like some of the Penn state greats in the past have, he seems content to win one to nothing or two to one on a riding time point. He's got the offense. He knows he can pull the trigger if he needs to, but he'd rather sit back, be defensive, wait for you to take a shot, make a mistake. And if you don't do that, he's going to ride you long enough that he's going to win the match.
1: Yeah. Um, the maybe the biggest story behind this one uh, like i texted you during the during the meet is i didn't see a single piece of tape on nelson brands not on his elbow no kt tape on his shoulder nothing on his legs nothing and this might be the first time we've seen that in 3 years since he started wrestling uh full time at 174 184 on up uh so yeah, Brands has an innate ability to always keep it close and always be in the match against anyone. But is he finally healthy.
2: Man, if he is and he's keeping it close, he could definitely sneak into that All-American range.
1: Right. Uh, Now, I wouldn't place that bet on him like I would Kobe, but I I'd love to see it. Again, I mean, obviously, he's Terry's son, but he's also had some hard hard luck with injuries, uh Tommy John surgery in the off season, you know, a car crash this fall, breaking his collarbone. Man, things just don't seem to break his way. So he's healthy and he wrestles well. I'd, I'd love to see an All-American out of him. All right, up to 84. This is kind of a mystery that uh, surfaced right at the beginning of the meet. Uh, Aaron Brooks and Ava Saad was supposed to be another... I don't want to say a coin flip, but not unreasonable to think that uh, Abbasad could keep it close. But Drake Rhodes was announced, and Abbasad was not—not not even announced as an either or. What What do you make of that?
2: I, it blew my mind. I I was only half paying attention as they were doing the uh, lineup announcements. I was texting with you and Kristen, and we were talking about what we were hoping to see uh, in the duel, and. I had to do a double take. I had to rewind and re-listen. And even then I ran to Twitter to make sure I didn't miss something. Uh, and Cody Goodwin had tweeted out and confirmed that Abe wasn't going and that it was Rhodes that was taking the spot. Um, my first thought was, man, I hope he's not injured. We've seen a number of Iowa guys show up with a new brace or new tape or a new sleeve or all of the above. Uh, after finishing a match and looking perfectly healthy. And so we assume that those nicks and uh, bumps and bruises and injuries are maybe even happening in the Iowa wrestling room. And that's where my mind went first.
1: Yeah. Uh, I saw a rumor this week started and it may have been started out of nothingness that was missed weight. Um, and I don't believe that. I have a hard time believing that someone with, that much time in the Iowa room, that much experience. I would miss weight for one of the biggest uh, meets of of the year. But we've, I've seen no explanation for it. Um, After the meet and Tom Brand's presser, nobody was talking about it. Um, And usually, usually you'd get something, you know, oh, he, he got a little dinged up. Oh, he's got the flu. Uh, You know, something, 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 something. And you know what? Maybe it's a combination of two. Maybe he was sick all week long and being sick, you know, maybe he weighed in at too heavy before they even got on the plane. And they're like, we're not even going to put you on scale uh, because you, there's no way you're going to make it. Uh, maybe that's what it is. But it definitely doesn't give you that warm, fuzzy feeling uh, being so close to the end of the season. And uh, we were only four or five weeks away from Big 10s. And so, If it's an injury or it is a weight problem, either one of those are problematic at this point in the season.
2: Yep. Especially after seeing him uh, get thrown and pinned, even though it was a quick pin. uh, Yeah. And his shoulders weren't anywhere near the mat. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes uh, that home cooking helps even uh, the lesser teams in the big 10. So
1: we'll, we'll see going forward. It'll be definitely something to watch because there's, there's no, no one else at 184. Um, if things aren't right with Ava Thad, we don't have anybody that can come in at 184 and score any points at the national tournament.
2: No. No. That would uh, become a big hole.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think if he doesn't go, um, man, I don't even want to talk about it. We're not even going to talk about it. <laughs> it's just a bad, <laughs> bad road to go down. All right. 197. Jacob Warner, the ladies' man. Been having a rough season. Doesn't appear to be the same wrestler that he was uh, last March. Uh, this was a rematch of Saturday night from 2022. Max Dean, Jacob Warner. Uh, this was a different match, too. Max Dean controlled the match, and Jacob Warner never looked to get his feet underneath him or feel comfortable or really look to be on the same level as Max Dean, from my point of view.
2: I. Totally agree. And I, I feel like Warner's looked off for a few weeks makes me wonder if he's not nursing uh, an injury and uh, he's actually probably gutting it out and going out there for the team uh, when maybe even missing a, another couple matches um, might actually helped him get a little more healthy. Uh, but he seems to be a guy that likes to put it on the line. Um, I don't think anyone could ever question his toughness, his heart, his drive, or his desire. Um, but when you're in ten or fifteen coin flip matches at some point, the coin's gonna flip against you, and uh if he has a run of close matches like this in March, um, we could see him fall short of the podium
1: yeah i I, I would agree um, again, he oh is he a, he's a senior, right? He'll be done this year. yep,
2: he's a senior. Returning national finalist. I wonder how many times there's been a returning national finalist that didn't AA the next year.
1: But 197 is so deep that it's a real discussion. It's it's a real thing. If he's not on, if he's dinged up or, or whatever reason, it's not out of the question. And if he doesn't, All American, it's heartbreaking for the fans, heartbreaking for him 100%. And Iowa just falls. Further behind Penn State, and you know maybe make Saturday night not even a thing. That the
0: that could the title could been,
1: Penn State title
2: will, lock it up on Friday, right? I think I right. think they easily could.
1: Yeah. So hopefully, whatever's uh, been the roadblock for Jacob so far this year, he can figure it out in the next two weeks and come out on top. Um. So all right, heavyweight. It was uh, Big Daddy Cass, Tony Cassiope versus Kirk, Greg Fleet, Kirk, Kirk Fleet, Greg Kirk Fleet. Um, yeah, Greg Kirk Fleet. I've heard it pronounced so many ways. People are saying Kirk Fleet now and all kinds of stuff. So uh, whatever, whatever it is, he's good. He's much better than last year. I feel like the difference is Tony had his wrestled him very well uh, throughout I, their career. I also uh,
2: think. Kirk has been prone to mental mistakes and tactical errors in more than just his matches with Cassiope. Um, Right. And if he doesn't make those mental mistakes, Kirk is very hard to beat, um, and he did not make a single mental mistake in that match against Cassiope on Friday night.
1: Right. Yes, uh, that's definitely true, and it's going to be – I don't see – I mean – Obviously, Mason Paris is ranked number one for Michigan. Um, deserves to be as wrestled well. Beat Greg uh, a week ago um, in a close match. So you got to figure them number one, number two. That leaves uh, Cassiopeia at number three. Is there anyone that can come up and challenge Cassiopeia for that third spot on the podium?
2: I mean, if the draw is wrong uh, because of weird seating things, maybe. Um, you know, you've got returning national champion uh, or not national champion, national finalist, Colton Schultz, uh, that's hanging out there. He's lost a couple matches. Lucas mm-hmm. Davidson has looked really good this year. I think Cassiopeia is head and shoulders better than them. But we've seen some weird seeding things happen. Cassiopeia already has a loss to Kirkfleet. He could have a loss to Mason Paris. He could lose to one or both of them at the Big Tens, depending on how that bracket plays out. If he even has three losses, how far down the seeds does he fall? Uh, mm-hmm. And what, where does that put him in the bracket? And how does that bracket fall apart? If he hits the wrong guy at the wrong time, he could end up in that seventh, eighth place match and only lost to – you know, one or two guys all season uh, yeah. at, at the same time, if that bracket falls apart and he's in the right spot, he could be wrestling for a national title on Saturday night. Um, so I think, I think he is on an Island by himself. I think he's a little bit below those top two guys. And I think he's better than everybody else at the weight. Uh, and as long as things break right for him, I would be surprised if he finishes outside of that third place match.
1: I would agree with you. No, no argument there from me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of. If he, he could walk into the NCAA tournament with four losses. He obviously lost to Berkeley. If he loses to Mason Paris on, what was that, February 9th. Then he goes into the big 10 and he loses to both of them again, because of the way the bracket falls, you know, he could get a five-seed. He could get a six-seed. And then your path is just it's just different, and it doesn't feel good. So anything else you want to say about the Iowa-Penn
0: State duel?
2: No, I think we covered it all. Um, it went about as it was predicted by most people. Um, and, uh, yeah, it would be nice to have it be a little bit closer, but I don't think this is the year for that.
1: Uh, you know, really, the the two things that – made it more lopsided than either you or I predicted was the pin at 133 and then A beside not wrestling. Um,
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You take away two bonus points from RBY and you take away a bonus point from uh, Aaron Brooks. And suddenly that looks about like we expected.
1: Right. Right. Uh, I definitely got a little more uh, spicy. (laughs) During the the meet that we were watching and texting back and forth on, I was down in the dumps, and you kept on saying, "Oh, this could happen, and this could happen." And I said, "I don't share your optimism." And what was your response?
2: Oh man, um, it's, about,
1: it's not optimism. It's I'm being delusional. Uh, so yes, when we got to that, yeah, I believe, I believe it's called delusion.
2: Nash. Yes.
1: Yeah. So all right, let's move on to Iowa State. Um, they wrestled Oklahoma on Friday. Oklahoma State on Sunday. I didn't make it up to the match on Friday night uh, against Oklahoma, but it um, wasn't fun to watch, apparently. Uh, the, the the people I go with, I talked to them both, and we were mainly focused on Casey Swiderski and Panero. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to kick it off talking about those two because those two guys are, are freshmen. Um, at the beginning of the year, they were both wrestling – amazing. And that was really two of the people that were helping Iowa State jump the rankings as they, they climbed the individual rankings. Iowa State was jumping the team rankings. And um, so uh, neither of those individuals had a takedown all weekend. And that is just hard to win matches when you're like that. And Swiderski went 0-2 on the on the weekend. And Pinero went 1-1. Uh, the matches that I watched on Sunday afternoon, Prudersky doesn't just doesn't look right. Um, he looks injured. He looks timid. Now, he didn't have a shoulder brace on, but if you've got a shoulder injury, shooting becomes hard. Um, holding people down becomes hard. Everything becomes hard. And that's what I think I saw out there. He just was not strong in any position and that and that's why he lost. So you wonder what's going on there. And if it's that bad, why are they running him out there? Um, we've seen, we've seen his talent when he was healthy early in the year. Um, he was right there with real woods who we both believe can be anybody. And now he's struggling against unranked individuals. Um, yeah. It, Tenero,
2: it's a bit of a heartbreaker with him. Um, Cause he is. looked extremely promising. And if he was as promising as he looked and scored the points that we thought he could score when he was looking that way, Iowa State would be a shoe in for one of those team trophies, the way this team uh, race is going to play out.
1: Right. So, uh, again, against Oklahoma State, um, Casey Swidercy wrestled Carter Young, who I guess Intermat has him ranked at number 32. I called him an unranked wrestler, but uh, anyway, you anyway, you it, that's, that's just not good. Uh, when you're at the beginning of the year, you're running with the number one, number two ranked fella in the nation, and now you're losing and unable to take down the number 32 wrestler in the nation. Um, so not uh, the trajectory that Iowa State was hoping for Casey Swarderski there. And same thing with Panero. In our previous podcast, we talked about, uh, you know, they figured out some of his issues and he got diagnosed with sickle cell syndrome. And apparently with some supplements and diet change, he was finally able to wrestle a full seven minutes. And I think that's still true. The match I watched him wrestle on Sunday, he uh, he wrestled Victor Voinovich, uh, who's ranked number 20. And um, he wrestled all seven minutes, but he never even sniffed a takedown. He won that match three to one, but... but- he got an escape and then he was able to tilt Victor for just a two count. And now those are his three points. Um, and again, if you're Iowa State and Pinero Johnson is ranked number six in the nation and he's wrestling the number 20 guy in the nation, I'm not saying you're going to win every time, but you would think there'd be a takedown or two in there without much doubt. And like I said, neither individual had, an, had a takedown all weekend. So cause for concern there. Uh, Absolutely. 140, 141 and 149 for Iowa
2: State. Um, and if Iowa State wants a team trophy, they need those two guys in All-American contention.
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, we'll move on, and we're just, we're not going to hit every match from this weekend. Obviously, uh, I didn't watch the Oklahoma meet, um, but we'll just jump up to 165 and and David Carr, the heart and soul and superstar of the Iowa State team. Um, David Carr did David Carr things. Um, he wrestled White Sheep and it was only a decision. Um, but that's also David Carr. He's kind of like Carter Saraki, uh, Siraki. He never wrestles. He, he just is not a bonus point individual, but he always wrestles solid and he gets the wins he's supposed to get. And he, he's still in that discussion for Saturday night and being at the top of that podium. Um, you've obviously I got to it.
2: wait that's gotten even crazier since the last time we recorded a podcast. Um, when we recorded it a few weeks ago, there was returning national champion, David Carr, returning national champion, Kegan O'Toole, and returning national champion, Shane Griffith at that weight. And since then returning national champion, Quincy Monday has moved up from 157 to 165.
1: So, oh. Four returning national champions uh, that are going to try to duke it out here. Um, man, that's crazy to think about that. Um, not, not a lot of bonus points are probably going to be scored in the 165 bracket with those four.
2: No. And if those four hold serve, that's half your All Americans right there. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. leaves everybody else battling for four spots to stand on that uh, stand on saturday
1: yep I, but i truly believe that david carr can be every single one of them the question is he doesn't go through and it, with a massive amount of offense against these lower ranked individuals so if he's wrestling O'Toole griffith monday can he create some type of separation or is he going to leave it up to a coin flip and if you leave it up to a coin flip with any of those three um you're, it is definitely 100% a coin flip. You, you're going to lose half those, and you can't you can't have that. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Marcus Coleman has again been a ton of fun to watch all year long, and he continued with that. Um, his his athletic ability is really what I think separates him. And that was when he got recruited by Iowa State out of Ains. Um, that's what they were recruiting him on, his athletic ability. And they knew if they could get his technique and him in the right headspace, that he could be amazing. And that has come to fruition this year for him. His technique and his ability to finish on shots, use a multitude of different shots um, is what has done it for him this year. And, and he's just fun to watch. He's, you can see he's enjoying himself out there. And he's made it all the way up to number four. He's ranked number four at 184 by Internet. So um, nothing really has changed on him. We were high on him earlier this year when we recorded, and I'm still high on him. He's continuing in that trajectory, and there's no way he doesn't AA uh, sort of an injury, in my opinion.
2: I agree. I think I think his his ceiling is wrestling on Saturday night, and I think his floor is that. Uh fifth place match
1: yeah i would agree uh and then you come to 197 the individual with some cuban magic younger basita every single time i watch him wrestle he appears to get better um which is scary uh i saw him again uh so they actually, he did not wrestle Friday night against Oklahoma. They ran out, uh, Devine, who is a 74 pounder. Devine's wrestled 74, 84, and 97 for Iowa state this year. Kind of what, uh, Nelson Brand did two years ago. Uh, and I was talking with, uh, Jack is the fella I go to the Iowa state meets with, and I was talking to him about it and what was going on. Maybe younger's dinged up and younger walked out with a heavily taped right leg. I think it was his right leg. And, uh, but I watched him get put, get that leg up in the air twice again, just like Jacob Warner had him in the Iowa State meet, and he was able to fight his way out of it, which is just crazy, absolutely crazy to watch. So, again, his flexibility
2: uh, is mind blowing.
1: Yep. Uh, so, and again, it comes also comes from wrestling on his feet so much growing up, I think.
2: So. Yes focusing on freestyle and and not even really knowing what folk style rules were when he came here a few years ago. And now he's not even a liability on bottom or top. He actually can ride a little bit, and uh, he's pretty good at getting away.
1: Yep, absolutely. It is no longer a liability. I would agree with that. So we think Coleman is going to AA. Could be in the top four. Younger Mastida is going to AA. He could be in the top four. Carr uh, is a top four. Um, that's a lot of points right there. And then if you get Pinero, uh, you know, he's number six right now, not wrestling well, but you got to figure he's going to be in AA. And if he figures out whatever has kind of led to his hiccup the last week seven day, week to 10 days, you know, maybe he could finish top four. And then Swiderski, um, if he's healthy, he could AA. And that's the recipe they need to, uh, for them to, to secure that team trophy.
2: Yeah. If they've got, if they've got five AAs and four or five of them are in the top four, that should, that should easily get them an NCAA team trophy. Right.
1: Uh, the only other thing that, uh, I saw someone comment on, uh, and it made me laugh was obviously John Smith is John Smith. He's been the head coach down there for 32 years. Um, and then Kevin Dresser coach for Iowa state. They both dressed identical on Sunday afternoon, gray pants, gray vest. And then uh, Dresser had a red shirt underneath his vest and John Smith had an orange shirt underneath his vest, but it was kind of funny to watch. And also there were some fireworks between Dresser and, uh, and John Smith. The team points taken away. It was actually during the Swiderski match. Uh, You could see Casey Swiderski was super frustrated. And the Oklahoma State guy was holding onto a leg, and Swiderski started kicking him. And John Smith was inside the circle. So far, RMAC, he was inside the circle. Um, And so they took a team point away, both from Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Uh, One for unsportsmanlike conduct, I think, for Swiderski, and then the team point from John Smith for whatever that is, to control the mat or something like that.
2: Um, I think think Swoderski's came because he refused to shake hands at the end, and so it was um, not following proper match procedure is actually what cost them the team point there.
1: Which is interesting because he did – I 100% positive he shook his hand, but they did it while they were reviewing something over at the table. And then when they called him to the center, he – I mean, he shook the guy's hand and then ran off the mat, and it was probably – Five or six minutes later, that they finally were saying, "Okay, we're taking a team point from Oklahoma State," and then they wanted the two guys to shake hands again. And Swiderski had been gone forever; he's probably in the shower. So, um, but he, I mean, it definitely was a poor showing by Swiderski. He definitely was kicking the Oklahoma State guy unnecessarily.
2: Um, so we'll go from there.
1: But I think that's going to wrap it up for uh, wrap it up for us. Do you have any closing thoughts?
2: I uh, just one one correction earlier. I I said that uh, Quincy Monday was a returning national champion. He is just a returning finalist. He lost yeah. to Ryan De- Deacon last year. So, um, but still, that's four very impressive guys at that weight uh, at one sixty
1: five. Okay, I'll let it slide. I, I didn't correct <laughs> you because I didn't know. So, but most most people, if you were told me he wrestled. Uh, at 157 against Deacon, I would have told you he lost because most people lost to Deacon. So, all right. It's good to talk with you. Uh, we're going to do this again, um, probably after the season. So late March, we're going to get together again. We're going to talk about Big Twelves, Big Tens, NCAA tournament, and we're going to see if uh, Southeast Polk was able to pull it out at the dual and the traditional state tournament.
2: Let's hope so. Uh... I like to see those Ram Tough gold trophies, but uh, it's going to be a battle.
1: All right. We'll talk soon.
2: All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. If
0: you want the new Morgan You Asked For koozie delivered to your mailbox, please give us a five-star rating and review on your podcast player. Screenshot the picture of it and email it to me. The email address is morgan you ask for Podcast at gmail.com.